Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Adkins, and I'm here today with two very familiar voices at this point. Um, one slightly more familiar than the other because he was a co-host for a while. There's always hope. There's always hope for, for you, Kevin. Um, <laughs> any Anytime you want to co-host. That is uh, Kevin Peck and Daniel M. Hello, hello. And we'll pretend Kevin said howdy because he's from Texas. Um, he is <laughs> the lead at Austin Stone um, and uh, just an all around, all around um, super sharp leader. Uh, he's one of the people that will uh, outread me and um, I don't know, out talk me and out just about everything. Uh, and well, I guess that's true of Daniel too. So I, I, I'm, I'm really humbled today uh, to have you both on. Daniel, if you don't know um, or don't recall, has gone back up to Beulah Alliance in Edmonton and um, is in the process of um, uh, becoming the senior pastor there as an associate senior pastor now, if I remember correctly, uh, and, and moving forward. Um, but both of you are in very different places right now um, from a temperature perspective, for sure. Uh, but both of you are, are exceptional leaders and people on the podcast are already familiar with you. So um, I, I do have questions uh, that I'll be asking, but you guys can feel free to ask each other as well. So it's neat because we're all in it's different contexts, right? So Edmonton, Canada, Austin, Texas, Nashville, Tennessee. So even as states and provinces and countries all have different approaches to this, it'll be neat to see how we're all being the church during this time. What's wild for me is like, I'm just outside the city limits of both and sit kind of in between, which is nearly impossible, but warehouse is sits right in between Brentwood and Franklin, as far as the, the cities are concerned. And then the there's of course county regulations and then Nashville regulations and state regulations. So, I mean, wow, it is just a very very interesting time to try to lead uh, a church, a business, or any organization uh, during this time for sure. So, very very interested to hear your all's local context. But before we start, I do want to ask a very important question: What is your best ministry story? so far well i'll go first because kevin's stories are gonna out <laughs> out excite all of us but what's what's neat is so our church is um i mean we've we're just head over heels over alpha and i mean last year we had 800 people be a part of alpha we do alpha in schools uh our youth ministry i mean hundreds and hundreds of students uh, typically will run lunchtime alphas in the different high school and middle schools. So when this hit, we were, we had just kicked off alpha within our schools and spring is typically a pretty high attendance semester for alpha. But right now it's crazy. Three times, we have three times the number of people in alpha than usually, than, than that would usually be during this time of the year. And it's just insane the number of um, just spiritual conversations. I mean, Alpha is a tool, but it, just the just the number of spiritual conversations and people curious. And even this one lady who's who's completely bedridden and unable to leave her home 
well, she can finally participate in alpha because it's now online. So it's just been neat to see. We don't just have one huge one, but we have a ton of different expressions led by different lay leaders for particular contexts. So that's been pretty neat to, to see. And it's amazing, Daniel. I, I love the idea that, you know, although the, the church is quote unquote shut down, that people are realizing that she's never closed. Mm-hmm. Um, pressing back darkness through alpha and through other ways. That's just, that's, that's, that's amazing, man. Um, ours has been a really interesting space. I mean, obviously we're like everybody else and we're concerned of, you know, just honestly how to keep doing ministry in a new context, how to keep engaging in a world in which people are afraid and people are going to look out for number one and all these other kinds of things. Um, And what's been really surprising to us is our people's just like radical generosity, um, their radical self-sacrifice. I think as a pastor, for me, it's been um, I think it's been I think, of course, it's been encouraging for our city. And I think, of course, it's been encouraging uh, for those that we've ministered to. But just as a pastor in general, who's been at this thing for almost 18 years now, Um, I think there's this sense in which you kind of think, man, how hard is it going to get our people to look like Jesus and to live radically uh, when the constant news cycle is going to be be afraid, isolate, take care of yourself. And that's how you take care of others. Um, And yet one of the things that's been wild for our folks is we've we've just had such an abundance of like mercy, generosity that we're actually having a, a difficult time um, uh, keeping up with them. Um, it's been really, really cool. Our, our folks just in the like first month of this wild thing called Corona gave nearly a million dollars just to mercy efforts. Um, and, and, and we only like mentioned it a couple of times. Like there wasn't like a massive campaign. It really was just, Hey, if you want to help, here it is just kind of like everybody else. We were still kind of in the, the shocked and uh, the shocked and kind of blanking moment uh, really didn't have a whole lot of um, expectation candidly uh, there. And yet God's people just, um, man, I, I, at the end of the day, it just seems like the Holy spirit really does change people. And I, I know I say that in a tongue in cheek kind of way, but in that moment, that's what it actually did for me. And so, for us, it's been it's been wild here in Austin. We don't have a ton of folks who have the same pocketbook as the Macedonians, but we have folks who have their same heart mm. uh, that have generally and over and over again pleaded to be involved. And so, not only has our church been taken care of, but we've been able to partner with others, and and uh, we've gotten to partner with forty three local churches here in Austin and help fund their um, efforts to keep their doors open and keep the mission going forward and. Um, we've been able to been help thousands of healthcare workers and, um, we've partnered with, um, some really, uh, we've partnered with our, our local university or university of Texas, um, and basically been able to just say, Hey, if there's any kids stranded here who can't get home now that classes have been, um, canceled, we've been able to send tons of international students, just be able to get home. Um, we've worked with refugees, um, right now at the moment, we're working with refugee services of Texas. And basically when they have need of a refugee um, who needs help kind of because they're stuck between uh, finalizing their status as um, a a worker here um, and uh, not being able to go home because they've started the process. 
Um, we've been able to just to say whatever needs you have, we'll meet. And um, I think the overall story for us with our CARES team, because we reorganized our staff a bunch just to basically make most of our staff is just working benevolence cases at this point. Um, what's been really, really cool is we haven't had to say no to one yet um, because of, of the generosity of our saints. So that's been just all the pressure and all the junk that comes with leading in this moment. Um, you know, Todd, I think one of the things that's been crazy is, um, but generosity has not stopped and our people um, candidly are leading us as much as we're leading them by just showing their fearlessness because their trust and belief in the resurrection. That's awesome. Um, can you and Daniel, I, I know you both have reorganized your staff or realigned them with specific areas of ministry. Can you talk about that for a moment? Because I know churches um, are still in the process of realigning the resources and trying to right size those in the right areas. So can you kind of break that down? Kevin, I'll ask you to go first this time. Sure. Yeah, I think for us really, really early on, I think we were, um, we were really pressed to just say, well, what if we're stuck this way for, for a while and not wanting to waste some time in that. And so, um, we just kind of started with the, what are the knowns, not what are the unknowns? Uh, if you start with the unknowns right now as a leader, um, you're going to get stuck for a very long time. Uh, there's just too many. So we started with the knowns and said, what do we know? Not only that God wants us to do, but that God um, clearly can continue to do through us uh, despite all the unknowns. And um, so we just broke it down into a couple of categories. We just said, we know that we're going to have to care for people in this time and that we're going to need to help others um, care for others. Um, and so we just kind of said, we're going to have this, we're going to, instead of having staffs of all these different kinds of ministries, we're just going to basically say, uh, everybody take your job description, so to speak, and set it on fire. You're going to be on some new ministry teams. And we thought of the first one being care that we need to care for people and we need to help mobilize others to care. And then second, we knew that, um, people were going to need to connect. And, um, so we, um, were able to kind of start a new strategy that says we want to help people connect in a new digital world. Um, that's not digital by, um, preference, but digital by necessity. And so you can think of all the thousand things that had to go into pivoting on digital, um, connection. You had to teach folks who weren't used to technology. You had to sell technology as not the enemy. You had to teach people to get over the awkwardness of digital technology. You needed advocates to jump into new groups and help them not just be weird, sick strangers in the middle of a new Zoom group, all these kinds of things. Then we knew people had to grow. And so for us, we never had an online um, strategy for ministry training or um, uh, or classes. Not that was broad-based. We we do that kind of through leadership teams. We might use things like ministry grid and those kinds of things, but we never broad-based just said, if you want to take an online class, you can do those live through Zoom or you can do them um, on demand. Um, and um, we had some folks sign up for that. And then we said, okay, we're going to have to think about families. So we made a, a fourth one just for thinking about family resources. And then lastly, we had kind of what we just called di digital liturgy and communications. And um, and we honestly, we just took our whole staff and um, in order to kind of preserve management structures, we took whole teams um, and assigned them to one of those tasks. And so you would stay with your original team, but you would be assigned to one of those tasks. Uh, and then really cool, uh, then a free, free agency opened up after we did that. 
after we identified <laughs> scope uh, and assigned teams, then teams started trading people with particular talents. Uh, and we let, and that kind of happened for a few weeks and it's still happening today, but those teams have, um, in, in a, in a really cool way, in, uh, increased morale and given people a, a sense of passion because it's not trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my time, but trying to figure out a new task and a new context, uh, but working together with everybody who's new on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen some amazing innovation, um, we've seen awesome effort and um, just a, a really candidly a lot of um, a lot of energy coming out of uh, people being assigned to do a new work for a while. So that free trading was that in lieu of March Madness and <laughs> the lack of exactly. sport? It's like guys, we got to yeah. figure this out somehow. It was really cool. We actually used ESPN and we created like uh, stats and ranking. No, I'm joking, but it would have been amazing if we did. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely heard our care teams offering like a first rounder plus some cash. That was weird, but we let them go for it. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible for us. It's, uh, it was interesting because, so we're in the middle of a succession process. So, uh, basically we were almost like, we almost hired, uh, our, my, so we just hired an executive pa- a few months ago, executive pastor of ministries, probably about two weeks before COVID hit. And then I was about to offer another uh, executive pastor to bring someone in on for camp to lead our campuses and our leadership pipeline. So the interview process, all that stuff was done. It was literally we were about to write up the contract. But if it were not for our HR director being on vacation, uh, the contract would have already been in his hands. But then this hit and we were like, OK, let's put a hold on that. So the interesting thing for us is we were pretty much, okay, the executive team structure was going to be set. And okay, this is the executive team structure to move things forward. Uh, Kevin has helped tons. I mean, Kevin's been a help since I was at Beulah the first time around years ago, probably what, eight, eight or nine years ago when I first reached out to him. So we were walking through that, put a hold on it. So as much as we were thinking about, okay, how do we then pivot to this reality? We were already in the midst of wanting to do a massive reorg by the summer, knowing that the executive team structure was going to be set. And then now, okay, how are the ministries going to be set so that we can move and all the changes regarding succession would have been done before the succession time happened? Well, when this hit, we began to kind of piecemeal, okay, what are the uh, what what are the decisions that we were already in the middle of that, okay, actually can go through? What do we actually now need to cancel? What do we now need to do? So we didn't necessarily do a wholesale, okay, this is what it's going to, this is what we're going to do. We, we really looked at it department by department and we started off mm-hmm. just with the rallying cry of these two phrases. How are we going to be the church and how are we going to look to Jesus? So a lot of our teams, as we were trying to work through what did the team structures look like, we really just said, okay, let's begin organizing our teams and giving them the riverbanks to say, guys, we're in the blizzard. We're trying to figure this out. So if there's anything that you need to make a decision on, as long as you're pointing people to Jesus and you are mobilizing our church to be the church, you have free reign and go. So there's a certain sense of direction in the midst of okay, how much offering is coming in each week and how do we pivot around that? I mean, our our executive director of operations, I mean, he was doing budget scenarios for, okay, if we hit 50, if we hit 70, if we hit 90, because we weren't weren't over and above, we were uh, trailing. But then when, when this hit, our finances went down as well. So having said all that, I mean, 
what I think this last yesterday was the ninth week for us being online. So we're uh, a couple of weeks ago, we actually finally said, okay, as much as the rallying cry is looking to Jesus and being the church, here is now the ministry plan for uh, May to August. And here is what the reorg looks like. So we actually ended up uh, looking at particular departments and beefing up, especially our care department, uh, actually splitting our adult ministries in two uh, because it was all under one umbrella. But we actually said, OK, the care and impact side and then our our group side are going to be two completely different departments so that we can then beef them up and have uh more of a direct line from those two departments to our executive pastor of ministry. So we did things like that. And we actually then said, okay, the kids team is, yeah, they're going to do kids content, but uh, we're actually going to second them to the care and impact team for particular out, outcomes and objectives so that they could go along with Kevin's idea that, that instead of busting that department up, they can now own, okay, here are our care and impact projects, but we're also thinking about discipleship for our kids too. So I want to talk to um, some pastors right now that are thinking, oh, that's great. I know those churches are, are big and I don't have a, I don't have a, a full-time finance guy that I can ask to do, you know, any kind of analysis or anything like that. I mean, regardless of what size your church is, I want you to understand what we're talking about scales. So even, I mean, on the finance piece, guys, just look at your last three years of giving, um, week to week, um, you know, an average compared to your last week. And if you go back over the last nine weeks, you'll be able to forecast, um, fairly well where you're going to be. Now, again, one of the things that Kevin, uh, talked about earlier is, um, uncertainty and risk are two different things. Um, there, anything that where risk is involved you can ha formulate a plan. You can formulate a plan for uncertainty as well. You just have to be really careful and, and know that you're not going to be able to measure those things. So uh, that's one thing. The, the other thing is, you know, reorganizing uh, staff. You may not have a lot of staff, but you can still reorganize your volunteers around different core functions of the church. So this is a perfect opportunity to take a look at everything in your church and pretend that you are launching a church, pretend you're a church plant and you get to launch and guys, the difference between you and a church plant is there's so many more knowns that you have, even with crisis. So if you just reframe your mind in a way like that and say, Hey, what, what do we want to deconstruct um, from our church? If, if we were coming, if we were starting over or able to relaunch, you know, what continues to go with us and, and what do we, uh, maybe leave behind. So yeah. it, regardless of your size, I think that this is a good exercise for you to consider. Yeah, Todd, what you were saying before around the finance piece of things, uh, I mean, whether you have someone on staff or not who can look into that, you, I'm pretty sure most churches have accountants. And <laughs> I mean, if you just ask one of the accountants in your church to help do some scenario planning and to help do some projections. I mean, this is, this is what they do best. This is what they know how to do. So even though our, you know, our director of operations is on staff, I mean, he has an entire lay finance committee that helps them do, do this work so that they can. So instead of making the decisions in isolation, there's accountability with our congregation with those two. Yeah, and Todd, one thing that I would say that's really helpful, because we've talked to a number of people about this, <clears throat> the real key of, of 
reorganization is just saying, what are the, what are the primary efforts that you want to concentrate on? And so whether you're a church that's been around for 20 years or you've been uh, around for a um, hundred years, uh, what's happened in this unique scenario is the kinds of ministry you would go after. There are some that are very clear right now mm. and there's some that are really complicated. And, and my admonition would go after the ones that are really clear and do them really well. Cause those are the ones that people are going to be able to remember. And that's where you're going to impact the largest number of people is just by going after the ones that are really clear. And so rather than getting hung up on, how will we do midweek things for kids? Uh, go after the things that you know you can do and that you know that people need, like right now. And that's why almost everybody was able to make the pivot for Sunday morning preaching because people know we've got to do that. We've got to find a way to do it. Um, but there are so many other things that you know you can do and you can do them really, really well, like care for people, um, like calling and checking on people. And now it's saying, now how do I get all of my people and not focus on all the unknowns and all the uncertainty, but to focus on the tasks we know we can do well. And then as time passes, you can begin to tackle those more complicated problems. Yeah. The other thing is, even in this entire situation, there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, you know, a few things running through my mind is, okay, what is the what is the bride of Christ going to look like coming out of this? Are we going to be, um, even if you look at the three kind of ideas of discipleship and and is your church creating disciples disciple makers or consumers even when you just think about it from that perspective coming out of this i actually think we have the opportunity every church has the opportunity to go one of those three ways now we could think okay you know obviously we're all going to be more disciples or disciple makers because we got to own our faith but no part of it is when you look at how you're translating programming and services and all that stuff if you're if we're doing this for a couple more months and every the, the language you're using, the ways to get involved, all of that stuff. If, if you're using very much consumeristic language, you might actually end up with an even more consumeristically oriented church um, than already exists within our Western context. Or if you're thinking, okay, how do we actually mobilize our church? What does it look like for us to be disciple makers? There's What we're doing right now is not survival and just getting from week to week. We really do need to think about it from a perspective of, okay, how are we forming people to become more like Christ? And how is our language, our, our everything that we're doing online, all that stuff, like, is that actually pushing people toward being more faithful um, or actually to being more consumeristic? It's really good, Daniel. So, you know, we, we've talked about some of those opportunities that you guys have taken. So what are some best practices that have come out of this, um, you know, as you begin to, I don't know, put some of these things into play? What are some of those best practices that have come out of it? So it'd be interesting, Kevin, to know how you guys uh, do planning of ministries and all that. But the context that I'm walking into is it's uh, during the springtime, the entire staff for about two to three months would actually plan. And it was it's, it's an incredible process, but it'd be this annual ministry planning cycle where they would basically plan, this team would plan from Ju July to June. So one of the things that I've wanted to do in, in coming in here was actually shorten that cycle to being, hey, every 90 days or every quarter, we're going to be writing up new ministry plans so that we can test and we can tweak and we can adjust and adapt 
not based on a year's old performance or, oh, that didn't work. Well, we got to run it the rest of the year because we said we would. No, let's actually go 90 days, a quarter at a time and plan that. The thing that we hadn't figured out, though, was how do we do that when our annual uh, financial cycle, our budget cycle, our, our cycle is annual. And so it's been fascinating to actually see the team rally around this sense of, okay, here's our plan for the next 90 days and or and or the next quarter. And then our finance team to then say, okay, here are the things that we do need to budget annually. Here are the things that we can budget. This percentage is going to be um, quarterly and this is going to be kind of the innovative, uh, kind of the, the, the money that we have on the side in case these types of opportunities come up. So it's been really cool to see that as much as I thought this was going to be, it was going to take over a year to shift the culture toward it. It we've had to shift because it'd be foolish to plan beyond September right now. So it's been really neat to, to do this and then say, okay, well, let's do a cycle. And then as we're going through this cycle, what did we do well? What did we not do well? And then we're going to do another cycle for September to December. And then we're going to do another cycle from January to April. So it's been neat to, to begin to shift that and really retain that model of adaptable ministry planning. It's hmm. good. I think for us, there's been a, um, a couple of things. I think on the just pure ministry side, some things that we've really liked was <clears throat> just online classes have been really good for us. I know that a lot of people have done that. We've always resisted it as a way to kind of force people into live classes. But the number of people who've come back to us and just said, yeah, I always knew I wanted to do live classes. My schedule didn't allow it. Um, our participation in classes has gone through the roof for us. Um, which has been really, really cool. Uh, a little plug here, um, on demand classes through ministry grid have been awesome. I mean, we've been a ministry grid, you know, uh, user for a while now we use it for more leadership pipeline stuff, but just taking some of the things that are already on the grid stuff, whether it's from Russell Moore or, or stuff from on, on parenting from, from trip, we were able to get those online overnight and just say, Hey, if you want it, here's your coupon code and get after it. And the number of people who jumped on that and simply, we simply assign like one of our people who's in development to be a teacher. They were assigned kind of as a TA to online classes, just checking in with people. It's been amazing. So we really love the just online classes in general, using zoom to do the teaching and, um, and, uh, using ministry grid as kind of the back end delivery for content but then just using Ministry Grid as a kind of an on-demand type of class format. It's been really, really wonderful for us. From the staff side, one of the things that I've really liked that we're going to keep doing is um, one of them is, is strategic. One of them is really tactical. The strategic one has been um, these work sprints we've done. Um, we've basically taken groups of people and said, you have a essentially two weeks off of your last job. So we just, you know, you put a pause on their existing job and then you give them a problem to solve together. Um, that's essentially what we did right when we started with these strategies, but we're now utilizing it for smaller pro, um, problems to solve. And it's been awesome. These just short, what we're calling short work sprints, where they can just take two weeks, do something new, do something different, big, hairy problem. But you're now giving a group of people who all have all 40 or 40 plus hours of work to work on something. And they get a lot of things done. And so whether it's a new curriculum to be written or a new pro, uh, a new uh, a new program we want to get started or want to do some thinking on a problem in the future for children's ministry taking this cross functional department of just people 
dedicated from a lot of different departments and saying, pause on your other work, like you're out of town, like you're on vacation, work on this. Uh, we're going to keep doing it. It's really facilitated, really cool innovation, really cool, like, like fiber between departments. Um, and uh, it moves the ball down the field really, really fast. The tactical one uh, is we started using Slack uh, instead of kind of a mix of uh, texting and email. So just for people who are looking for a technology, now that we're working from home, um, kind of everyone's individual workflow options kind of went away and that wasn't working as well for us. Uh, but we went over to Slack and it's just been brilliant because of all the little add-ins you can do for polls and decision-making and everything else. So that's been little something to check out if you're trying to figure out how to get everyone on the same page while working from home. What's really been interesting is, uh, thanks to Minister Grid, I've now been uh, deeply involved in the technology world and development in particular for about six years. And so what's funny is the idea of agile methodology um, if you've never read anything on it, this will be a great time to do that because it's all about iterative and in, in innovative work. But the, the idea behind that is the way things are organized uh, in two week sprints. Um, you also have things like stand up meetings that are done uh, for 15 minutes every morning so that everybody's on the same page and you know who's doing what. Um and what blockers they have and different things like that. So I never thought that I would appreciate how much agile methodology has really affected my thinking and being able to use that outside of, you know, developing a, a tech stack or, you know, problem solving. So yeah. it's been wild. I, I actually used this um, before coming to Lifeway uh, for launching um, campuses but I, I can see its brilliance even more now. Okay, so I have a question, Kevin, what you were saying about the two-week sprints. Uh, are these, if, if you're asking them to actually put aside their work, are you taking individuals from a variety of teams so team members who are still on those teams can continue their work on their behalf? Or how does that look like? What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a lot of it is you're prepping for a sprint the way you would in real life. I mean, if you think about the way you do, um, interval workouts is if they're saying, okay, take a jog and then you're going to do a sprint in three minutes. Like you, you, for real jog, you don't kind of jog run because you know, you're about to give extra effort. And we notice that people do that as well before they go on vacation. Like when you go on vacation, you work a little extra hard on the front end, you prep a little bit better on the front end so that you don't leave your existing team in a bind. Yeah. And you know, you're going to delay some work, but you make some choices. So yes, we take them from all over the place. And that's part of the genius is like, you actually get some really different perspectives. You get some disruptive thinking, um, all that kind of good stuff. And then when you put them together, um, it's like they're on vacation. It's like, don't bother me if I'm on your existing team, but they worked really hard on the front end to leave their team in a good position okay. and they know when they get back, they're going to have some makeup work. Um, but the, the sprint part for them, uh, it becomes such a life giving thing that it's really shown itself really cool. And so folks who've been, you know, in the drain of kids ministry, recruiting volunteers for seven years, and now they get two weeks just to figure out, um, how to get more food to more hungry people in Austin. Um, so many of them are just so re-energized by it that these sprints have been really, really helpful. 
Man, I love that. That's that's really cool. It's a well-known fact that planting churches and campuses is the most effective way of reaching the lost. And launching in a rented venue like a school or a theater is one of the most cost-effective ways to launch a new church. So if you're planning to launch a church or a campus and trying to figure out how to do that really well in a rented space, we encourage you to check out our friends at Portable Church. The team at Portable Church Industries takes your vision and creates engaging environments around it that keep volunteer retention high and allow more energy to be spent on ministry. So go to portablechurch.com slash lifeway to learn more and to find free customized resources that teach you how to launch portable and launch strong. So, okay, what, what's, man, what tools other than Slack are you using or, and are there any other frameworks? Um, because I had Slack before and was on it occasionally just to talk to the devs or to see what was going on. But now my whole team is engaged in it on an hourly basis. Um, so it's become a really important tool to us as well. But are there any other tools that you're using or any um, any new frameworks or methodology of keeping uh, keeping everybody on the same page, that kind of a thing. Well, Slack's been good for us. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Daniel. No, 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 jump no, in, no, man. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, we love Slack too. So Slack's been neat to 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 use on that side, and and you know, getting some of our IT side of things to say, okay, what is our you know what does that database look like, and how do we move things toward that? So. Yeah, I would just say if, if you're looking for frameworks, uh, our first six weeks, we just used a very simple quadrant where on the one side it was looking to Jesus and the other side was being the church. And then we said, okay, how are we going to do that on the weekends? And then how are we going to do that midweek? So that was one framework the, um, that was really kind of our, our just getting out of the blizzard using Andy Crouch's language. What we're doing right now for our winter strategy from May to August is a little bit more thorough to say, okay, we're going to focus in on engagement, community, and compassion. So on the engagement side of things, okay, what do our weekends look like? Uh, Communications-wise, how are you going to make sure that that is interactive? Not one-way, but two-way content. Uh, and then Ministry Grid is actually a column for us because this has given us the opportunity to, to get all of our onboard leadership onboarding leadership training content on ministry grid. So this was something that we were going to be doing over several months. But what this allows us to do now is saying, okay, every department, what does it look like for someone to be a brand when someone signs up to be a brand new volunteer? What does that look like? How do you train them? What is the vision? So basically, we're going to use these next few months to get all of that online, starting with missions, knowing that, hey, short term missions pre and post COVID is like, you know, the prep for it is likely going to be the same. Well, we're going to get all of that content uh, for new leaders and volunteers and individuals on there. So that's the engagement side. Community is, okay, what does it look like for us to connect people who aren't in groups and reconnect those who haven't gone digital, right? That's the group side. We're going to be 
um, formalizing our discipleship pathway even more, and then really focusing in on the offline resourcing side of things. Because I think there's the screen fatigue is a real thing. And I think we're going to see that continually moving forward. And then lastly, compassion is the last category where we're looking at congregation on pastoral care as one column, neighboring and evangelism as the other, and then impact city impact on the last one. So just a simple framework that'll that gives our team and this is this is how our team uh is leveraging it 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 now gives our team the riverbanks to know okay this is yeah here identify champions uh that teams are champions over several of these areas but here are riverbanks and you guys can make tactical decisions without having to go all the way up the chain or whatnot you can make tactical decisions as long as it lines up within this map I like that a lot. I think having clarity is super important, and I, I like that. Uh, Kevin? Yeah, I think for us, we've kind of done uh, – we've been really, really happy so far with our um, our strategy thus far and that framework that I lined out at the beginning just of care, connect, um, for people, you know, grow, family, and um, – digital liturgy and communication. We've stayed in those lanes and we've just kind of begun to roll out, um, longer and longer term goals. And so at the beginning it was like, the goal was to get active. And now we're actually saying, okay, based on what we saw in the first month, what kind of goals can we have, um, kind of 90 days out and 180 days out, those kinds of things. Even if we have to cancel those goals, cause we're able to go back to more normal, uh, one of the other tools that we've been really enjoying is we've always been Asana users for project management, um, but uh, Asana has been a really, really helpful tool because of its integration with Slack um, for managing what we're calling like back burner projects, which Daniel brought up. There's some things there right now that this is the best time to tackle them. And um, there's some things that it's really difficult to do while you know, we used to say all the time, like Sunday comes with alarming regularity. And what we meant by that was Sunday comes and it kind of tackles and consumes the whole week. Well, this is the first time I can remember where Sunday really isn't the dominating force that it has been in the past. Uh, for a lot of churches like us, we're done with Sunday on Wednesday, uh, which means you actually have more brain space to get some things done than maybe you could ever afforded before and maybe ever will again. And so we've got a team that we've now actually pulled out aside who's managing what we're calling kind of those back burner projects. Those things that have, you've always wanted to do, you get a sense that they would have significant impact. And now we have what we're just kind of, we have this small spec ops team whose job it is to actually go and pluck people off other larger teams that are doing well, some of these larger strategies, and get them to work on some of these these other things. That framework of, of, of just having this team that is focused on uh, knocking things off that strategic list that you kind of know never ends up getting worked on. Um, and that's been really, really cool to see that work. So that's been fun. And then from other tactical sides, just to, you know, like I said uh, earlier, and, and it sounds like Daniel brought it up too, and, and you as well, but some of the things that Slack can do um, in the first iteration, um, I really don't compare to what it can do now. And so I've, I used it several years ago and it was kind of terrible. And, and now it actually has made some significant improvements and even its integration with whether it's polling or zoom features or project management features, that's been, um, a real, uh, a real game changer for us. 
Um, yeah, so those have been the, those have been the major kind of like uh, like frameworks and technologies that have been super helpful for us. Okay, last uh, last question for each of you, and um, I know that you both uh, care about this issue and could both talk for a really long time. So I'm going to limit you to like your one your one minute statement. Okay, um, this would be uh, a combination of how important is it for church leaders to stay emotionally healthy right now? And then two, how are you doing that? Who's going first? (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll go first. Um, Hmm. Yeah. Depending on when this releases, I mean, that's, that's a, it's a very timely, it's, I think it's something that's on all of our minds right now. And the thing that even last week I was really trying to drill in and, and remind our team, I was like, guys, um, we're, we're not in a sprint. We're in a marathon and you can't just wait for your vacation or wait till you know, taking a week off or wait till this or that, because that's not going to refresh you. You, What are your daily rhythms of rest? What are your weekly rhythms of rest? What does Sabbath look like? And, and I recognize in the last six, um, you know, last couple months, it's definitely been a blizzard of, okay, how do we get online? What about giving? What about this? What about that? And, and a lot of our team members are, are, are running and trying to figure what that looks like and how to be the church in this moment. And, and they have a high level of ownership, but that means they may not be spending as much time with their family as they need to, or even on the spiritual disciplines or on their emotional health as well. So this is something where we've really begun to mobilize our supervisors to say, guys, you, you can't just say it. You have to get in and you have to keep your team accountable because Usually summer is a little bit down and then we ramp up for the fall, but <laughs> we're going all throughout, all throughout the summer and who knows what the fall is going to look like. So that's, that's been a real rallying cry for our team. This sense uh, for me personally, it's interesting. I, I probably haven't worked out as much as I ever have uh, since moving up to Edmonton. And when the gyms closed, I was like, okay, what, what am I going to do? How am I, both Christina and I, how are we going to do this? So um, basically we, we found out it a different way and bought some equipment and, and now we're actually probably more than we ever have our entire lives uh, been exercising almost pretty much on a daily basis. And both Christina and I in the word, weekly Sabbath thing. So there's, there's definitely that sense of, okay, we need to, we need to uh, be physically healthy, but first and foremost, it's spending time in the word of God and journaling and meditating and and just coming before him, uh, not with everything on my plate, but more just as a child of God. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just, I echo a ton of what Daniel's saying there. And I think the reality is, is this COVID crisis, just like the church reveals a lot of stuff that's broken there. It's not causing it. It's just revealing it. And Dr. Piper said a long time ago, you know, there's these, these moments in life that they shake you and, and just like sediment that's in water, it kind of sifts it down to the bottom where you can see it. Um, and, and that's, I think that's happening for a lot of pastors right now, not just their ministries, but, but for us as, as people, 
Um, if there's a, if there was already a tendency for workaholism, you're toast right now. If there was already a tendency to neglect your family, you're toast. If there was already a tendency to, um, procrastinate your toast. I mean, all these things that were already there are starting to happen again. And, um, I, I, for us, it's been a really, really good time just to actually be able to, to lean into our leaders and just say, Hey, listen, in this, this time right now is, is actually the best assessment you can take of where you really are in your habits. If you're, um, if you're not counting on, uh, things like vacation Daniel brought up, or you're not counting on, okay, I have these like big finish lines called Sunday and then I can just, but when you're just living a normal life rhythm, it's, um, it's actually a really good, I think just thermometer for, um, how you actually are doing, um, which has been really good for, for our folks just to think about that. So it's brought up great conversations, um, in terms of kind of rhythms of work and rest and how to turn off and how to be on and all those kinds of things has been really, really good. Uh, for me personally, it's been a, it, it's been a really refreshing time actually for me. I'm part of my schedule is always included travel and, um, while I miss kind of being a part of what God's doing overseas and, and among our people overseas, the, the reality is being home has been really, really good and allowed us to kind of um, create some good rhythms here. And so um, for me, some of the things that we're doing is just actually the, my, we kind of realized a long time ago, it's like, if I can't, uh, as it were, go to the church building, then I have no reason not to treat my home as one. Um, never did, but it's been a really good moment of reset for us. And so um, we, we think about our home a lot more in that. And so we have a rhythm like you would do at church, but in our house, the things that normally church programming would do for you, we do at our house. And so there's a moment on Sundays where we get around to TV, like the rest of you and we pray and we spend some time afterwards praying as, as a family, which has been a cool rhythm where normally we'd spend time after church, either daddy having a couple extra rushed conversations and then off to lunch or off to a sporting event. Now we actually can stop and talk about what happened and talk about what we learned and pray together. And then we spend another time during the week where we can kind of say, okay, well, let's do a class together, which is, I mean, that's, I know a lot of families maybe do that. That's fresh for us because I was usually off teaching them somewhere, but now I'm home teaching it and they can sit in the room and be a part of that. Or um, we can actually order some materials from great publishers like Lifeway and we can work through those things together. Um, it's been, it's been really sweet for us. And so we've kind of adopted our, um, what we just kind of asked the question, if it were going to happen in a church building, why can't it happen here? And that's been a really health, a healthy thing for us. And then, um, as Daniel pointed out also just, uh, taking care of yourself, there's right now you have more flexibility at least in your schedule than you ever have. And so, um, for us now, it's really easy to kind of just say, I have a one hour appointment and go work out because now there's no travel in between. Um, I can actually go to my next meeting smelly because it's on zoom and it doesn't bother anyone. So we've been taking advantage of that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I I love that. I mean, (laughs) even I'm glad you brought up the family side and uh, this week I'm actually in light of what you just said, Kevin, I think we're going to try that. We're, um, after, after we gather around the TV on Sunday, we'll just kind of stop and, We've been talking a little bit here and there, but to actually pray together as a family, I think that's that's awesome and, and something we'll try this week. Uh, it's interesting, Christina and I were, were talking about this and we we're like, okay, 
she's like, are you, are you ready to go back? Like, do you want to office back? And I'm like, actually, I really love officing out of home <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because yes, I'm interrupted and yes, interruptions happen and all that stuff. But to see my kids and my wife all day and mm-hmm. we have separate rooms and they're schooling in one and doing another, but just, just that sense of togetherness. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something that I, I guess I've never experienced before and uh, to this measure and, and I, and I'm really enjoying it. Oh yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for, um, all, just being you and always being authentic and sharing, um, it, it means it means a lot to me. You've both been in my life now for a long time, at least six years for both of you. So, man, um, just grateful to have you guys as friends and uh, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we are slowly but surely progressing out of um, just straight up COVID related content. Um, I, I know to some extent, as Kevin was saying before, there's, the, there's this crazy balance of us trying to, we want to read everything we can and get our hands on everything we can. And then there's definitely COVID fatigue as well. So um, thanks for tuning in and um, we will bring you more great content for more great leaders next week. Thanks for listening.